You're listening to the AR-15 Podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. If you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another podcast. Tonight, we're doing a... Episode number 164 of the AR-15 podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about all things AR pistol. So, uh, JD, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Spent some uh, time out in the desert shooting and uh, spent some time with my son and a friend. It's always a great way to blow off the stress from a long work week <laughs> to shoot some range, lead down range and uh, spend some time with some good people. So, doing well. You? I'm I'm good. Now, so tell me about these desert jaunts. This isn't like a old, uh, you know, Kwai Chain Kang uh, desert, you know, journey where you're just kind of drifting through the, the sand dunes. It's a little more structured, right? Actually, it's not. <laughs> basically, basically, uh, there's several areas. There's a uh, basically a no shoot box. It's around the Las Vegas Valley that you have to. Um, adhere to so uh, there's several ranges you can go to i like the uh, freedom of going out into the desert uh, sometimes and basically you head out past the no shoot box and uh, you pull off the some of the old dirt roads that they got out there and uh, the harder the places to get into and if you have to get in with a four-wheel drive uh, the better because the uh less amount of people that are out there. So it's finding a beautiful spot in the desert where you got a safe backstop and uh, you're able to pick up your brass and basically leave it as untouched as you possibly can and uh, enjoy. It was beautiful today, like 72 and sunny with just a little bit of wind. So it's uh, probably as close to heaven for me as I can find out here in the desert. You know, my problem with going out to any of the places I shoot on a regular basis that are uh, have that kind of freedom is that the brass drops in vegetation and disappears forever. I know that there are many places where archaeologists are going to think that a small firefight occurred, but um, yeah, it's lost to me. I'll never be able to find it again. You know, I actually um, they have a new a new um, a new accessory that takes care of that problem. Reed, um, he was born about ten and a half years ago. His name is uh, Jeremy. <laughs> tell him to pick up the brass and everything and he does it and we well, complained about it once and I said do you know how much one of these costs one of these bullets and now he's just happy he gets to go out for free and knows he has to load mags and pick up brass and that's his payment so that's how he pays for the ammo so you gotta uh, you know train up a child Reed <laughs> I, I hear you I have to figure out which one of mine can accomplish the task well, I haven't really had uh, many opportunities to get out and do anything because, of course, it's my busy season. So I'm going to just kind of, you know, power through it and then have like a, you know, complete range excursion as a day off when it's all said and done. Well, so uh, why don't you uh, let our listeners know about our uh, listener meetup here uh, before we segue on to the rest of the show today. Uh, we're going to do a NRA show meetup. It's going to take place at the Cardinal Hall of Fame uh, Saturday, May 21st at 7 p.m. Uh, that's the Cardinal Hall of Fame Saturday, May 21st, 7 p.m. Um, the firearms radio crew that's going to be out there will be there. Uh, Jake says, I'm going to murder this again. 
Uh, if they can say ambidextrous. No, no, no. That, that's spelled ambidextrous. Ambidextrous. Yeah, I think that's the way Jake says it. Ambidextrous. <laughs> uh, as, well, as well, Jake will buy you a drink. So um, I'm not sure if Ambi will get you that drink. That would um, be Amber. Amber. <laughs> I'm trying my best here. I talk for a living. I don't spell or read for a living. So um, so if you can check that out, it would be a great time to meet some of your uh, favorites that are going out there uh, for the NRA show meetup, uh, Cardinal Hall, the Cardinal Hall of Fame Cafe, uh, Saturday, May 21st at 7 p.m. Um, I do not believe, I don't know if uh, JW is heading out there. Um, I'm not sure. Reed, are you going to be in that area? You know, I don't know. It's all up in the air at this point. We are just going to have to kind of keep ourselves in a holding pattern and see what, you know, breaks loose. If something breaks loose, I may very well be out there. Okay. So we'll see. I spent all my travel budget for shot show. So <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, the gas five miles down to, uh, down to where the convention center was, it just broke me for the rest of the year. So. Well, why don't you tell the listeners about the giveaway that has officially begun? Um, it's exciting news. It is. Uh, we have teamed up with New Frontier Armory in North Las Vegas to uh, provide one of their 9mm carbine rifles for a giveaway. Um, it is really cool to see us able to partner with a up-and-comer like New Frontier uh, I have been doing business with them as just a just a customer for six years. Their customer service has been phenomenal, and I've experienced that also on this side. Um, I've never put so much work into a rifle um, that I don't get to keep. So <laughs> it has been an awesome experience. We were going to launch it on April 1st, but the more I got to think about it, I did not want to launch a rifle giveaway on April Fool's. So yeah, uh, yeah. we set it off on the 31st, already approaching about 200 people to sign up. Um, you know, we're going to do this by the book. It's going to go from FFL to FFL. There's going to be no funny business. Um, you're going to have to be of legal age to own a rifle. Um, we will work as best we can with those in California. Um, David from New Frontier Armory, the owner, really didn't bat an eyelash about California or any of the other restrictive states except for New York. Um, if you're listening in New York, we invite you to sign up. Uh, if you win, we'll have to work something out about you purchasing one of the, I believe it's non-featured stocks that kind of looks like something a Klingon would use <laughs> in Star Trek and you put it on a rifle, and it means you're able to have it uh, in the state of New York. Um, we welcome you to sign up, and we will be willing to work that out, too. Um, you can get the link at our show notes. Uh, it is in Episode 164 show notes there. You can also find it on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash AR15podcast. And also, uh, if you're to go to firearmsradio.tv and click on the AR15podcast show link, uh, there will be a link right there. Sign up. Uh, listen to the show, um, just a couple house cleaning things with it, uh, multiple entries. You're going to get one, and that's it. It's kind of fair for everybody. Um, we will, we've got a pretty stacked calendar this year. Um, we're trying to do some really cool things. So at the end of this giveaway, uh, we can't wait 30 days for somebody to respond. So uh, we're basically going to give about 72 hours. 
Uh, we have your information. We will be calling and emailing, um, sending smoke signals, messenger ponies, whatever we have to do to get a hold of you in that 72 hours and uh, get you vetted and make sure everything's all good. Um, if we can't get a hold of you, if you happen to be in, you know, Iran and you're on a vacation there and you just don't have the Wi-Fi signal or something, uh, we're going to move on. Um, we can't be holding on to this because we've got, you know, this is just the start of what is going to be an amazing 2016 for the AR-15 podcast. So uh, know that it'll run till May 31st. Uh, we'll be announcing a winner very quickly after that. Um, we have contest rules if you want to check them out. Everybody just generally. May 31st? I May 31st. Three months, not two months. Uh, we, I wanted to do three months. Then you look at the calendar and you're like, uh, Something's got to give here a little bit. All right. So, guys, you have 60 days, 60 days to get in here and get it done. And you know what? J.D. brings up a good point. So here's the thing. We are giving away a rifle. It's going through FFLs. Everybody understands the time that we live in, but we're not going to entertain silly names. We're asking for a first name and a last name. We need to vet you. You're going to give us your Email address, your address, your telephone number. You have to be a real live breathing human being and, you know, your name really isn't Mother Effer or, you know, Big Mother Effer or, you know, Big Kahuna Mother Effer. I mean, that's just not your name. And that's not who it's going to be transferred to. And we're going to transfer, transfer the rifle to the name that's in the entry. And that's the, the double check. That's how we make sure that everything's above board, that everything is safe and that everything is proceeding legally. So guys. Cut it out. Be serious. This is a rifle. You know, and, this isn't some honestly, airsoft toy. Those, uh, those entries, um, probably are going to get kicked out. So if you, if you yourself did that, um, please go back and enter again with the legit information because if that is the thing that's pulled, I can't transfer it to that name. Uh, I am not going to waste the guys at New Frontier Armory's time to transfer that. So, man, this is a, a really cool opportunity. And, you know, 99.9% of us, we all play by the rules and everything's good. It's that, it's that couple of people who think that'll be funny. And, yes, I laughed, but it is not the time for that. So uh, get the entries in. You got less than 60 days now. This will be the first of uh, what we're hoping will be several pretty cool uh, partnerships that we will have this year that we're bringing to you. Uh, Reed and I are not qualified or eligible to win the rifle. Um, no matter what you guys on Facebook think, it's, it's not going to be the first person that sends Reed 500 bucks or a pair of one of a kind rare iron sights. Um, I mean, he would appreciate all that stuff. And if you'd like, you know, a PO box to send it to, we can make that happen. But it is going to be a randomized number thing. We're going to take 10 winners, and we will go down the list. If we can't contact the first nine, then number 10 is the lucky winner. So uh, all the contest rules, everything at firearmsradio.tv. Click on the AR-15 podcast link or check out the show notes in episode 164, the AR-15 pistol episode. I think we've covered everything. I don't know if we have to do the little quick legal disclaimer real quick, but you guys no, get it. Nah, we'll get it all on the internet for you. <laughs> all right. Well, so we've been talking about this show for, for a little bit here. Um, and so to, today is a good opportunity to get it in and have a discussion about it because I think that I've seen some buzz 
Um, we have some things that are potentially going to impact this in the near future. And so I, I think it's a relevant topic, but we're going to talk about the AR-15 pistol. And so, you know, I think most of our listeners, JD, are probably rifle, you know, connoisseurs. If they have pistols, I'm sure most everybody knows how to shoot and carries pistols. They're traditional pistols. You know, if, if they have, you know, excellent taste like me, then they carry SIGs. <laughs> but um, when, when it comes down to it, the AR-15 in a pistol configuration is something that we've never really explored, I don't believe. And I've slept since I've done all of the other podcast episodes. But I don't think we've explored this in the same way or in any real way yet. So let's kind of jump in here and uh, we're going to start off with what the differences are between an AR pistol and an AR rifle. So um, what, what do you think of when you think of an AR pistol in terms of that kind of differentiation there, J.D.? I, I think of something that's built to be, you know, when I think of a pistol, I think of more compact, um, able to be maneuvered with, um, not as long and bulky as a rifle. So when I think of an AR pistol, I think definitely smaller, something that's a, a more compact package, um, but offers the same uh, caliber as what an AR-15 would. Right. And then, of course, within a certain, I think, well-defined parameter, you're going to probably be able to do the same conceptual build in a pistol caliber round and be good. Although I don't think you're likely to ever go up the uh, AR-10 um, into the AR-10 family of rifles and be able to have uh, what would be anywhere near uh, an enjoyable experience in terms of a pistol caliber AR-10. But I'm sure someone has done it. Um, that's just not you know, fodder for today's show. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that is really critical to the idea that you're going to go out and build an AR-15 pistol is lower receiver. And, you know, I, I did a little bit of research today. I'm not certain whether the uh, Internet uh, Google foo is with most of our listeners when they try to look into this, but I have a particular penchant and some resources that uh, are available to me. So, um you know, going back, uh, I think the earliest reflection I have on the issue of uh, building a pistol out of a rifle-oriented receiver is a uh, 92 uh, BATF letter from the uh, uh, technical division, technical branch, uh, on a request from, I believe it was a uh, firearms manufacturer, trying to answer the question of could they build a pistol out of a pre-existing manufactured receiver. And theirs was, of course, at that time oriented towards the uh, the bolt uh, uh, action receivers. And the ATF letter basically pointed out that, well, if it had been a rifle and it was converted into a pistol configuration, it was a no-go without uh, the appropriate SBR um, process being undertaken. However, if it was a receiver that had never been built into a rifle, you 
had essentially a tacit green light from the ATF from this very limited letter to go forward. And understand that a uh, a letter, an ATF letter from uh, uh, in, in this context is very much like an IRS letter ruling. A private letter ruling is something that is not definitive. It's not law. It cannot be relied on for another person in another set of facts, however similar they may be, because it's another time. And so, uh, you know, the idea that you would do this based on that one letter would be kind of foolish if you were going to be a manufacturer, because, of course, putting large resources into this idea might put you in a very negative place. But um, it does give some guidance as to where the ATF is in their thinking. And, of course, the insiders look at these letters and the flow of these rulings and try to gauge what they are saying as they evolve to, to divine where the ATF is moving with certain thoughts internally. So the idea was essentially that as long as it had never been a rifle, you, you would be uh, complying with the definition of a handgun, which was something that was originally built or originally conceived of or originally intended to be a pistol. And so the idea, and I, I think I've seen some generally general consensus among the pundits that they think that this is some pixie dust ruling, but I think to me it makes a little more sense because it's about intent. And, uh, you know, it's a very big thing in a, a lot of aspects of law. You know, if the intent was that it was to be a receiver upon which a pistol was built, then it cannot be called a rifle because it was never intended to be a rifle, and therefore it's okay. Now, how far back do you go to find the intention? You know, not to give the ATF any ideas because I know they've already had it, but if it was me, the intention would be, you know, firmly rooted in the on the shoulders of the manufacturer, and so I would... I, I would feel comfortable if a manufacturer said I, I made this you know run of a thousand lowers to be pistols and this run of a thousand lowers to be rifles and sold them as such and they were transferred as such that would that would make me comfortable you know if it's uh, just an unaddressed never been done anything with lower receiver uh, transferred uh, into the hands of my FFL. And I told him it was a pistol, and that's how it came to me. I'm not all that comfortable with that idea. But, you know, that's the way that I think a lot of these things are transferred right now. Uh, everybody looks kind of at the 4473 as the de facto point at which someone has made the observation that it is either A or B. You know, that's the old Schrodinger's cat. That's when they just opened a box and told you what it, you know, what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, that being the case, um, it's the way it's done these days. I don't think you're going to buck the system until something comes down from the ATF that compels people to move off of it. So uh, let's kind of move on to some of the uh, kind of nuts and bolts of a, an AR pistol. You know, obviously there are a lot of the components that the uh, pistol is going to be built on that we're all already familiar with. And so, I mean, JD, we got the receivers, we've got our lower parts kits, um, we have our hand guards, we have bolts, um, you know, we've got our grips. And so that kind of creates the core of our rifle. But we have some issues with <clears throat> the buffer tube, 
and the barrel. And I mention the barrel only as much as uh, if you're building rifles, you're not building anything shorter than 16 inches. And so when we put the pistol configuration on the table, we have a lot more flexibility in terms of barrel length. And so now we can start getting into much shorter barrels. And that does affect our choices in some of these components because you're going to be impacted by the gas system. You're going to be impacted by, uh, you know, if you go piston, the piston system. You're impacted by your handguards because now we're not putting 15-inch handguards on that thing. Um, and the buffer tube. The traditional buffer tube on an AR pistol is one that is configured, manufactured in a way that it is not capable of readily accepting a traditional stock. You look puzzled, J.D. Well, no, I'm just... When I look at the buffer tube for an AR pistol, as I'm looking at one right now in Brownells, I'm just thinking, how would I, how would I keep myself from not shouldering that? I mean, how would... I mean, that's just the natural... That would be my natural instinct to do this... Um, I mean, I see it's got a, you know, foam covered on the back of the pad. This is a phase five tactical, um, AR-15 pistol buffer tube setup I'm looking at. And I'm just, uh, I don't, I'm just trying to, trying to figure out. I, I don't have one. I've shot one before as a friend has one. But I'm just trying to figure out how I wouldn't shoulder that. You, you know what I'm saying? How the, the difference, I get the difference, but to me, it still looks like coming back that I'd still try to put that against my shoulder and try to shoot it like I would a normal AR. Um, well, and, you know, I, I get that. I think that's one of the things that we're going to probably raise up a little later in the show, but I think it is a, com- a compelling point that you raise um, because, you know, um, when you're used to doing things one way, it's hard to basically divorce yourself from that experience. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's real hard to, you know, put yourself in that completely different, you know, frame of mind so that you can see it from another perspective. Um, you know, I do think that because of the nature of what we're talking about here, our flexibility is limited in a number of unique ways. You know, when we have a rifle in the traditional sense of a rifle, I don't know that going shorter than 16 inches is a very big deal in terms of drivers other than the fact that, you know, like any five-year-old, if you tell them that you cannot do something, (laughs) we feel the compulsion to do it. And I am as guilty as anybody of feeling that compulsion. What do you mean? I can't have a barrel shorter than 16 inches I can, I have to jump through these hoops, but I can. Don't tell me I can't, but that's not always so easy for everybody else to jump through. But, you know, I think, I think it's a, it's, it's a traditional male five-year-old response to being told you can't have something. You figure out a way to get it. But, um, you know, absent that, I don't know that it really comes up that often. Most rifle shooters are shooting the rifle in a, pretty traditional context that you would want to rifle and aren't looking for the characteristics of a pistol in that utilization. So I don't know that it's something that we're driven to, but you know, you go into the pistol, you know, caliber or not the pistol caliber, the pistol 
format of an AR, and all of a sudden you have some severe limitations. You, you know, you cannot have a um, a stock on it. You're, you're just not going to be able to put one on it. And and frankly, from an operational standpoint, you know, at the moment in time that you take the stock away. And you're trying to treat this AR as a pistol and you have a 20 inch barrel and, you know, a 15 inch handguard on it. It's not a very comfortable pistol. It's just not ever going to be so. So I think in that, you know, in that traditional, you know, assembly, uh, in, in that traditional model of a pistol, you're, you're going to have something under 16 inches. Uh, I think, you know, anywhere from, I don't know. I've seen two inch barrels to, you know, 10 and a half, 11 inch barrels. So, I mean, I think somewhere in that neighborhood, you're probably okay in terms of, um, what, what choices are available. But, you know, really you, you begin to have to deal with some of the complexities of, um, customizing a rifle from the perspective of dealing with, uh, your gas system. You know, certainly you want it tamed as much as possible because without all of that extra furniture to support your, you know, fundamentals, you're shooting a beast and, you know, everything everybody hates about, you know, older pistols is, you know, kind of evident in the way it's conceived. You know, it has a very high bore axis. I don't think you could get any higher than the bore axis on an AR pistol because of the way it's designed. You're, um, you're, you're dealing with a, you know, buffer tube and a buffer and a bolt that are coming back and extended down an extended buffer tube, you know, well past the, the point you would have any interaction on a, a standard pistol in terms of its slide, you know, going through its travel. And so that is significantly going to affect recoil, follow up, you know, control. Accuracy, a whole bunch of issues. So, you know, there are some limitations to to the flexibility that you're going to find in a pistol build. That's not to say you're going to find a limit in choices. I think that they've got enough penetration in the market, and the drive to the SBR is supporting a number of kind of cross-compatible concepts, I think you're never going to run out of things that you can incorporate into a pistol build. But, you know, I think those are kind of the, the top level differences that you're going to find. JD, do you, do you have any observations about the differences in that kind of high level view? I mean, I think you hit them all there, you know, just, I think that, uh, I'm really trying to put myself in a, a devil's advocate kind of thing, thinking that, you know, I would want one and to put it together. But I really, the, the differences really seem to, to be swaying me to even be hard to play that role, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't, I, the, the differences are such detractors for me, the ones you listed, that I, I wouldn't even probably proceed going through. Um, an AR pistol build at this point, uh, unless we bring up something further along down the show that entices me or gives me a, I want to well, do this. 
Then you know what? Let's let's move on to our our next part here. Our what's the point segment. So um, you know, you want a an AR-15 pistol. Why? What's the point of having an AR-15 pistol? Let's kind of talk about some of the top level things that came to mind. Certainly, if you guys, the listeners, come up with something that we haven't touched on, we'd love to hear you because, you know, I think this is kind of a hard one, and and we'll, we'll get to that here as we go. But what's the point? So, um. You know, you get rifle power in a compact size. You know, let's say you can get an eight-inch barrel. Let's say you can get a six-inch barrel on a 223. Um, you can get it, you know, with a pistol-length gas system. Maybe even you can get it tamed with a, you know, one of those pigtail um, gas tubes, or you can get it tamed with stiffer springs or heavier buffer or more mass or whatever it is you're going to do to tune it and, and control it. You are shooting a rifle caliber projectile through a pistol. And that's a pretty powerful and compelling uh, point. You know, thinking about that, uh, it's, it's been probably six months now. Remember the home defense um, episode we did when we talked about the different calibers and how 223 responded? Right. Um, in a home defense situation and going through it and actually responded pretty favorably. Right. I mean that just, just seeing that thinking about that rifle power and a compact size with an AR pistol. I mean, you would be able to have that maneuverability and that rifle power in a home defense situation. Um, that would actually be a, a pretty good plus for me as I'm thinking about it here. Um, Having right. that in that size, I mean the the two two three round with the research that was done um, actually performed really favorably in the over penetration and the uh, use of a home defense situation with drywall and wood and sheetrock she and stuff like that. So when you bring that up, Reed, that point's actually a pretty huge point for me now that I think about it. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm a, watching a political talk show and trying to be moved back and forth between sides. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sitting here going, well, wait a minute, that's a good idea, but oh, I'm going to try to do that. So I think that that would be for me so far one of the biggest benefits is that rifle power and the compact size of a AR pistol build. Now I think the next point here is something that um, you know I'm I'm kind of. Not real. I don't. I don't think it's a. It's it's a point that can't be overcome. But it's it's near NFA utility without the cost. Um. So if one were going to SBR a rifle, what you essentially have is that um, AR-15 pistol that you would conceive of, but instead of a you know pistol buffer tube, you have a traditional stock of buffer tube. So two hundred dollars, and you know you're probably going to pay a little more for your, you know, uh, buffer and stock than you would just a plain old pistol buffer. You know, is is that a a good point near NFA utility without the cost? Well, I mean, my view is look, save up to two hundred dollars. You know, do two hundred dollars less of something else, and you'll be fine. You'll be able to get your SBR. You know, what about the weight? Well, you know what. Uh, buck up, Buttercup. You know, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily part of the instant gratification generation. I'm sure I'm. I'm, I'm sure I've benefited from it, but you know, <laughs> I, I I remember having to you know, get on a bicycle and ride to the hobby store and make my weekly layaway payment 
on the model that I wanted to buy and, and take home and build. I remember those days when you had layaway. You didn't get something right now because you wanted it and you threw a fit in the middle of the mall or in the middle of you know Walmart, you know, in front of your mother who out of abject terror bought it for you because she could stand the humiliation. But I say buck up buttercup, you know, I just would like months. I would just like to be clear on Reed's bike riding skills. Um, to the hobby store, it was uphill both ways with two flat tires in the snow in a hundred and twenty degree heat that he went to the uh, hobby store. So uh, just just yeah. any clarification we need on that. It but wasn't I, that bad. I had air in the I, tires and it was flat. It was one hundred and twenty, <laughs> but it was no. Here's here's the. Uh, Here's one of the things that, that got me for um, those that are AR enthusiasts in the not-so-free states of our union is that that near NFA utility is as close as they can get to having an SBR. Um, and, you know, that's, a, that's a one of the points on the list. For those that can't SBR, this is close. Now – you know, here here's my take on that. And we we talked about this. My take on that who say, you know, I can't SBR here, but I want it, so I'll build a pistol. You know what I really think that rationale is? I want to have an SBR in case civilization collapses because I won't be able to have UPS deliver the parts to me the day after that happens. So what I'll have in my gun safe is this perfectly legal pistol. At the minute that civilization is, you know, turned on its ear, I'll be able to convert into an SBR and protect myself and my family. Okay, I get that. I I get that. And you know what? I have no problem with that. But you know, that's like having, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stockpile, you know, a thousand rounds, you know, for the just in case go bag. Yeah, if you have a thousand rounds that you haven't shot in ten years, you are a sad person. <laughs> You you need to be able to use that ammo. It's there for that purpose, you know. Okay, have an extra thousand rounds to go rotate it all the time. But you know, why would you have something that you can't really use the way you want to? I understand. I don't disagree. I I, I feel for you, but that's really all I see it as, because I I don't know that you're going to get your SBR utility. And if you are going to get your SBR utility in a non-SBR state, SBR state, it's because you're breaking the law. It's because, you know, in those, you know, meadows and places you can go and shoot without being observed, you're going to pull that buffer tube off and stick a, you know, stock on. And you're going to shoot it and you're going to, you know, be all jazzed that you could do it. And you, you know, got one up on a man. And, but, you know, I, I just don't know that that's wise. And I also don't know that having something in the gun safe you're never going to use until civilization collapses and you get to convert it. I mean, you know, my dad always used to tell me, you know, uh, you keep waiting for your ship to come in. Your pier's going to rust off. So it might be waiting a long time before the uh, exact right events occur where you can do that without a repercussion. But, you know, I get it. I get it. If you can't have an SBR in your state and this is the closest you can get, okay. Um, you know, here's another point uh, that it is a configuration more readily used in a PDW capacity, uh, personal defense weapon. You know, the old movies of uh, you know the 80s era 
Secret Service, you know, with loop slings and dangling yeah, Uzis. Uh, sure, you know, kind of doing that, you know, tension extension, you know, three-point hold is something that they would train those men to use, and it's something you can do with the AR. Of course, the the two are distinctly different. You know, uh, 900 round a minute Uzi or however fast they are, you know, held like that is not a precision instrument. It's supposed to lay down suppressing fire. Um, you know, it's supposed to, you know, throw an enormous amount of lead into a situation that you can't control. All right. But that's not what an AR's utility is. It's not why we have the AR, and it's not really something that I think in this instance it's going to have any utility unless you get yourself a, you know, a full auto lower. I mean, but really at that point, if you can buy a full auto lower, you shouldn't be listening to this show. You shouldn't be worrying about a pistol caliber build. In fact, you can put a short-barreled upper on a registered lower just because so but you know i think that's the utility and it doesn't quite get you to that place but it is still the same form factor that i think you would look for something that you could hang from a sloop a loop on your shoulder you know at your side and you know bring to bear with you know 30 rounds of you know five five six love that you're going to share with some folks um and, and, you know, I think another thing that um, I've really always been intrigued by, and, you know, I, I think, J.D., doesn't a New Frontier have a pistol configuration that has no buffer tube? Uh, yeah, it's their X-Star uh, pistol that they uh, and have. The other one that I like is the uh, Rock River. Um, just It's a piston-driven Rock River and a pistol configuration. I'm not sure the model number. Maybe JD can help us out there for a sec. But the point is, is that at the end of the receiver, the rifle ends. What they've managed to do is put the recoil spring within the mechanism um, through which the uh, modified bolt travels. And my guess is it's a very AK-esque configuration um, because the AK doesn't have a buffer tube and spring. Uh, the spring is in the piston rod. So I, I think it's a very similar construction, but what it affords is a pistol that in that configuration is that much shorter than what we would see as a traditional AR-15 pistol with a buffer tube. And there are some things that are compelling about that form factor in terms of the things that we've talked about Compact size, um, PDW, um, and you know it's still a very it, it's an SBR, uh, it's an SBR esque uh, platform. You know if you could find a uh, folding stock that would mount on it, you have almost the uh, exact same format as some of the old uh, AKs that you see in the movies. Uh, so it's an LAR PDS, and so that's a, a piston driven system. And their pistol. I mean, it's really a compelling uh, form. I think it's an interesting look. I like the look much better than I like the look of an AR-15 pistol with a buffer tube at the end. I, I don't like the price. It's a little pricey. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I understand what you're buying. So, um, 
that, that's kind of where I see the, the what's the point element here. Um, it certainly is not everybody's cup of tea. You have to have arrived at a place where you're driven this way. And so I think these are, in my rough guess, some of the high points on why you would be driven this way. So with that, we're going to take a break for just a couple seconds and uh, play something. And uh, we'll be back right after this. Uh, where does it fit in in uh, practical use in day-to-day situations in your gun collection? So, Reed, where would an AR-15 pistol fit in with your needs? You know, I think probably the biggest aspect of it would be that compact truck gun. You know, we we had an episode where we discussed the truck gun in terms of, you know, what considerations we would put into it. And, you know, I don't think we really kind of, you know, lit onto the idea of having a, you know, AR-15 pistol in that role. But if you take a look at that Rock River uh, PDS pistol, that is a very compact form and in that barrel length, which I think it's under 10 or right at 10. I mean, that's, that's nine. nine actually read. see. I think that's a really good length in terms of what we're talking about here. You know, I think in the five, five, six, I, I think speculation is, is you're not going to get quite a full burn at nine inches, but for what you're shooting at in a pistol roll, you're talking near distance. You're not talking, you know, hundreds, you know, you might be talking tens of yards. I think you're well within your operating parameters. And frankly, so it spits a little fire. It's kind of intimidating already. And you, you want some intimidation if you're going to have to pull it out and use it. So, I mean, I think a compact truck gun, that, that role is ideally suited to this thing. And you mentioned something about the laws in your state, which I think are compelling in that particular aspect. Uh, tell me about the, the issue of a loaded rifle uh, being near and at hand. Yeah, when we uh, travel, you cannot have a loaded rifle uh, in your vehicle. Um, you can have a loaded pistol. Of course, it works with uh, CCW laws and things like that here in the state of Nevada. But uh, having the rifle loaded is a no-go. In fact, just to be safe when we do transport weapons or go out to the desert or the range, um, I keep them completely separate. Uh, sometimes the ammo rides in the back of the truck in the bed and the rifles are inside the cab just to give that extra step of separation because sometimes, you know, generally our police and our state troopers are really knowledgeable about the law. Um, there are other branches of law enforcement that uh, patrols government lands that uh, I don't want to get on anybody's hate list, but uh, had some rough stuff with, and they don't always know the law with things and, you know, keeping it separated has been a way to diffuse those things. So you can't have, you know, your rifle loaded, uh, but as a truck gun, um, this isn't a rifle. It'd be a pistol. Uh, so you'd be able to have that loaded. Now, of course, concealed carry laws and that thing would apply also uh, wherever you're at in your vehicle. Uh, but for me, um, I have one of those. I'm able to have a concealed weapon. And um, that's a, a 
a good point to have that compact truck gun in there. You know, that LAR uh, from Rock River, uh, only five pounds, 18 inches. That's, that's a good, you know, be able to mount that. Uh, the X-Star from uh, New Frontier Armory, also uh, 18 inches, and in fact, fully loaded, just four pounds. So, I mean, you've got some pretty cool options if that's the way you wanted to go with uh, one of these AR pistols to be able to have it as a truck gun. And, you know, of course, as always, make sure you check your local laws. Um, I am not an attorney. Um, I don't even play one on the radio. But, uh, you know, just be safe with what you're doing and uh, know your local laws before you decide to, to throw a, a rifle or a, a pistol in as a truck gun. So Now, we, we talked about this, of course, earlier. Um, but... Uh, in terms of where does it fit in, this configuration is can amount to a substitute for an SBR or a you know a transition um, element to go from you know purchase to SBR. Mm-hmm. Uh, the either point I think is valid and it addresses the you know for those who can NF, uh, SBR you know that kind of near NFA utility. So it fits in with those per people who are in that space where that is the role they're trying to fulfill. And for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, it's not yet time uh, to put the stock on because the stamp hasn't arrived or it's never going to arrive because your state isn't going to let you ask for one. Mm-hmm. It is capable of sitting in that space to, you know, keep its pistol form, you know, till the end of time or, wait until the time is right to transition to a legal or acceptable new form. And And you know what? That's okay. And Reed, that was one of the big, um, when we talked about AR pistols with uh, those on Facebook and Instagram, that was the big thing, the transition. Um, You know, it's just a a placeholder until I can get this. So that was one of the big uh, responses from everybody that's had the experience with the pistol that moving, waiting for, you know, that email that to come back to say that it's been approved and you can start working on your SBR. So, I mean, if if you invest the parts in the, in the upper and you, you have everything, of course, be careful with that too, with where you're at in the whole process, um, especially when you're working with an NFA item, um, you know, you're able to have some useful parts and while you're waiting that, I think the general wait time right now I've heard is about four months. Um, you're able to, to do something with it. If you can't yeah. just put it in the safe and forget about it. Uh, thankfully I was able to just put it in the safe. I actually had it in the safe at my place of work and I uh, totally forgot about it until I got the email from the ATF. So now I think there's another relevant point to this and I don't know that there's too much utility um, because frankly, if you're bitten by the black rifle disease bug, you need more than one. But if you start out with an AR pistol, it was originally, which is the language from the code that's tracking the code, it was originally intended to be a pistol. It can go from pistol to rifle without the uh, ATF blinking an eye. Now, of course, it's a fully, you know, 18-inch uh, rifle. I mean, a 16-inch barreled rifle. One of the things about the whole idea of being able to go from a pistol to the rifle is that you can take that 
originally configured pistol lower. You can add all of the legal components to make it a full legal rifle. And the NFA or the ATF will not have a problem with you. And then you can take it back to a pistol because it began as a pistol. And so you're not running afoul of any of their other positions. And during that whole point in time, you can get um, the uh, tax stamp and get your lower receiver uh, marked so it can be an SBR. So it, it fills a multitude of places. You know, of course, I would just tell you, go buy another lower and build another rifle. You know, why would you have one rifle that can be or one lower that can be three things when you should just have three rifles or three things, however you want to parse it. But I mean, that's, I think, you know, that's, that's something that can fit in because I do think that there are people that they operate that way. It's going to be just what they need for the moment. They don't need two others. They're more than happy to convert it to that other place when it's time. Um, you know, I think that in terms of where does it fit in, there are plenty of people that are just intimidated by NFA items. They're intimidated by the process. They're intimidated by what they feel the implications are, and they don't want to go that route. Okay, so with uh, an AR-15 pistol, you can have some of the SBR perks, but without the NFA burden. Okay, I think that's a valid point. I do. I do. You know, as someone, I, I remember thinking that. I just went through the process of my trust and my my first uh, NFA item in SBR this last year. I always thought it would be this huge burden, this, you know, really uh, difficult process or really in-depth. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, I yeah. mean – Literally, when I submitted the form, I was like, it can't be that easy. It, it can't be this easy to do anything. I had it so built up. So if you're doing it for that reason, really talk to somebody who's had experience with submitting stuff for, you know, ATF approval, and you'll see it's it's not as big as, you know, I put it off for a couple of years not wanting to deal with the headache and then realize I'm an idiot because I missed out on a couple of years where I could have done some pretty cool stuff, so... Yeah. Well, and you know, here's the thing, you know, I think that, um, that's probably the first knee jerk that people have when it comes to the whole idea of, you know, something that's going to be handled through the National Firearms Act requirements. But I think that there is that additional step of people who are concerned about, you know, am I on a list? You know, who's looking at me now that I have this? Um, you know, am, Am I going to be rounded up when the revolution comes? You know, whatever the concern is. And, you know, I would tell you that, you know, uh, I, I am not as concerned about those things. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're born and they hand you a social security number, you already are on a list. You know, it starts at birth. And the rest of it, you know, I mean, you have to find your comfort level, but I'm pretty comfortable where I am. But, you know, I, I, I think the last one is, you know, probably for many, the, the most important aspect of where does it fit in. And, and you know, that is that it's, that it's the final accessory for your ninja setup. <laughs> well, and then I, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to uh, come across as, as being snarky here. And I don't mean it in that way. But you know what? I think in a lot of instances, it's a toy. 
I think there are plenty of us who have gone out and purchased something uh, firearms related uh, or even a firearm itself because it's a toy, because it's fun, because we want to, because why not? Because America, you know, but you know, Hey, where does it fit in? If you just decide that's what you want, who cares? You can get it, go get it. And so, if you just want to be able to have something that you take to the range that, you know, people are going to ask you questions about, fine. If you want to be able to take something out to your, you know, piece of land out in a, you know, rural area and just, you know, from the hip, you know, unload, you know, 30 rounds as fast as you can or, you know, heck, if you want to, you know, hang your thumb off your belt loop and do a little bit of, you know, bump fire and see if you can, you know, what it's like to empty 30 rounds out of a, AR pistol, you know, just don't hurt yourself. But, um, you know, hey, that's what you're allowed to do, right? You'd be safe. You'd be responsible. You make sure that nobody gets hurt. And within the law, do what you want to do, right? So if you think that it's time for you to buy a new toy, go buy a new toy. You know, who are we to stand in your way? Not that we're standing in your way or anything, but. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think when it comes to where does it fit in, there is a place and, and, you know, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come down on the side of saying that it does not have as much utility as the other aspects of the AR-15 that we talk about all the time. And, you know, I know that it's a bias that I hold easily because of what I do professionally, but I do not think it's a burden to get from A to B. Um, and, you know, that, you know, we might have a bunch of listeners saying, well, yeah, easier for you to say, and I'm sorry, it is, it is. But I don't think that it's that hard for you guys to get to the place I am because, like JD, you said, you build up this anxiety and it dissipates as soon as you get through it. And today, with so many companies, so many endeavors supporting people's journey into this kind of NFA side of things, there are a lot of resources that didn't exist. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they're all over the place. And so you can find a lot of help. And, you know, geez, think about it. We're coming up on our 30-year anniversary of the 86 Act. So it's been almost 30 years that, you know, most everybody in recent memory has had to deal with, you know, the current structure for these items. So, yeah. You know, thinking about that, there, there's going to be somebody in your area that can help you through it. Um, for my for my trust, it was somebody I found on um, Nevada Shooters. You know, most states have forms or shoot sites, and you can go check out and get kind of the, the lay of the land and the locals. Um, you know, checking that is really good. Um, for me here in Nevada, for Las Vegas, uh, Ben Bunker was the attorney who did my uh, trust. And, man, it was I'm telling you, building it up was horrible because I sent Ben the information. I sent him the name of the trust. Two days later, he sends me back the stuff that I have to sign electronically, and we're all good to go. And then he also answers questions on the form for others. So there's going to be an attorney like that, or there's going to be somebody to service you uh, in your area. Um, some of the other places, um, you know, Silencer Shop and Silencer Co., those guys have got information on uh, trusts and all this stuff. And um, Silencer Shop has the change in how things went with the ATF with their was it 41F earlier this year that's going to change this summer. So there's all sorts of information out there for you to find that will make this um, 
going to NFA items a whole lot easier and maybe remove some of that. Do I really want to jump into this pool? Right. Well, let's move into our next piece here and talk about what do you need to consider if you're going to buy an AR-15 pistol in this kind of the context of what we've been talking about. And, you know, I think the first one is that NFA considerations are still relevant. You can't throw a stock on it, you know. My understanding is you can't put a, a, a foregrip on it, you know, an angled uh, grip or a you know vertical grip. You know, you're you're going to have to stay within the guidelines of what the NFA says, or you could get yourself in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to keep that in mind. You want to know what the limits are. You want to know where the borders are. You know, don't be that you know lab with a shot collar who just runs across the field. You know, runs across the, the the boundary line. The NFA is serious business, and the ATF they take care of their jobs, and you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Um, and you know, here's another thing to consider. You know, I am, you know, well aware that there are plenty of guys that go out there, they buy themselves a pistol, they take it home, and as fast as they can get out there. Castle nut wrench, they're pulling the buffer tube off and putting a stock on it. They're going to thumb their nose at the ATF. They're going to thumb their nose at the man. And frankly, thumbing your nose at the man rarely ends well. For you. For anybody. Hmm. I just don't do it. So, you know what? You need to consider that. Um, you know, the guys that get hammered by these things, they get hammered hard. It's not fun stuff. So... You know, if 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 you want to thumb your nose at the man, frankly, I'd I'd rather work in this system, pay two hundred bucks, than be able to stand there all day long with that thing hanging on a swing and telling him what, what, what. You know what I mean? I can't do anything to you then. All it costs is two hundred bucks. So just keep that in mind. Um, now you know, I, I think this is something that for me is particularly valid. And that is the idea that your money is tied up in this build. If you're not going to use it, if you're going to wait until the revolution comes, if uh, you're not able to pull it out of the gun safe because you did put a stock on it, what are you doing? You just tied up all that money into this build, and it's never going to have that use like you might take your regular carbine to the range and get, like you might have for your, you know, your long-range setup, you know, whatever the case may be. You're you're eliminating some of that money that you have available to put together a bill that you might be able to use whenever and wherever you want. So consider that. Um, and, you know, I think the last and probably the biggest thing here is the notion of practicality versus novelty. You know, I get it. Novelty is great. It goes back to that toy thing. We all want the toy. You know what I really want? I want a can launcher. I want an X products can launcher. I'm going to put it on one of my SBR lowers and I'm going to shoot Coke cans, you know, across the deer lease, you know, maybe shoot them into the pond next to the guys that play their music loud opening morning because they don't like the thought of deer dying. I mean, why do you move to Texas if you grew up in New York? Really? I mean, does that make any sense, JD? It doesn't. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, so I mean, the point is, is I want one of those. I haven't bought one yet. I don't know when I'm going to get one, but I want one because it's a neat toy. (laughs) I get it. 
But, you know, I don't know how practical an AR-15 pistol is. If you're going to say, I'm going to use it in the same way I'd use any other pistol, I guarantee you it's more practical to get a SIG or a Beretta or a Glock or a Smith & Wesson, you know, uh, uh, Springfield XD, whatever. Those are far more practical than an AR-15 pistol to be used as pistols. I mean, I just don't think you're ever going to convince me otherwise. And I think most people (laughs) would probably admit the same thing. They would concede that point. Can the AR-15 pistol do something more that a pistol pistol can't? Yeah, probably. Probably. We could sit here and make a list of those things, but I'm not going to. So I think that's a big consideration. What is the practical nature of that configuration versus its novelty? Which one is the bigger factor? Which one outweighs the other? So, you know, I think with that, we've got a pretty basic thumbnail sketch of the AR-15 pistol. Um, In terms of the fundamentals of what it would take to put one together, frankly, I don't think it's any different than any of the other things we've talked about in our build shows. You're talking about the same platform. You're just getting different parts that have a different utility, and so you might have to figure out how they're going to work together nice, but same considerations. Torque wrenches, this, you know, drift pins that, punches and wrenches galore. After that, you're good. So, you know, we'll put a couple of uh, references to old episodes for a build so that you uh, can link to them if you want to actually put together your uh, AR-15 pistol with our help. But, you know, really, I think these are the big things that you have to go through if this is the route you're going to go because you can buy off the shelf and find plenty of resources that will help you build them, but... I'm pretty sure the guy trying to make a commission on selling you one isn't going to give you any negatives. Mm. So any thoughts about this, J.D.? Have you You decided you're swayed one way or the other in this political environment? Well, the the thing with the the AR pistol was it was actually on my list to buy. Um, And that was before I built my first SBR. Once I built that... And shot it. Um, the AR pistol kind of disappeared um, from it. It may still be on my list down there, um, but I have <laughs> a safe full of lowers, as Reed can attest to. And uh, none of them <laughs> are designated for a pistol build. I, I just think it's it's really going to come down to you know if if you're at a point where you're like, man, this would be cool to have and, and mess around with, that it's going to be good for you. But if you're looking for a function of, uh, of something, it's really going to have to fit into like a unique niche for you to want to do it and for it to pay off as a build. Um, for me, it just got bumped way down the list. Uh, shooting that first SBR with, you know, I have a 10 and a half inch barrel and a 300 blackout. Uh, man, I, I can't imagine um, putting money into a, a pistol build when I could put money into another SBR. You know, for just a minute there, I thought you were going to label me the destroyer of dreams. I'm glad that you, uh, <laughs> you, you threw uh, your your first uh, decision to build an SBR out there on the, the block as the destroyer of dreams. You know, um, if I had the extra money laying around, would I get one in the traditional sense that we always see them? No, I don't think so. 
if I had the money laying around, would I buy like one of the Rock River PDSs? You know, yes, probably. Would it be a novelty? Yes. Would I keep it for long? I couldn't tell you. Probably not for very long at all. But, you know, if I had that much money laying around that was not otherwise, you know, identified for a, a specific purpose, purpose and of course i'd have to buy a purse of equal value so that really makes it a (laughs) you know know, way way off of my radar screen kind of deal you know yeah yeah i can get one i can get one but none of these other items are ever going to compel me to get there and part of its circumstance part of its taste part of its um, ability part of its you know just random chance that i'm living in the place i am so I'm not compelled and I don't find many of the arguments compelling. So that's kind of where I am. And frankly, I think that you're better off being absolutely certain in what you're doing than to find yourself dissatisfied that you've done it and not being able to undo the journey you've taken. So I guess that's my two cents. And that wraps up the uh, AR-15 pistol part of this episode, episode 164. Um, we talked about the 9mm carbine giveaway at the front of the show from New Frontier Armory. We want to say thanks to them for partnering up with us. Um, also, I uh, want to get over to the Facebook page real quick. You can find a link to sign up there, facebook.com backslash AR-15 podcast. You can also go to the show notes of episode 164 and uh, be able to uh, find the link there. You can go to firearmsradio.tv and click on the AR-15 podcast portion of the site, and you'll be able to sign up there. There's a link there. I also want to thank RTT Firearms. They're going to do a, a custom job on the uh, 9mm carbine, I was looking at some of their stuff today. Uh, Robert and Evelyn have a, a good shop down there in, La- in uh, Lake Havasu City, Arizona. So we thank them for that. And now, uh, since Reed won't let me have like a, a, a Reed's reaction section of the show in the beginning, I'm going to start asking you guys for questions for Reed because he can answer them in only a way <laughs> that uh, Reed will. And uh, this one came from Jody. Jody's uh, one of the three gunners that uh, checks in with us from time to time on social media. And uh, he wants Reed's reaction to uh, this story. Uh, so the story came out last year about a young soldier dying of a massive erection because he was so excited about shooting a 50 caliber machine gun. True story. Uh, has Reed ever, <laughs> has Reed ever gotten that excited? Can't believe I just asked you that. And well, almost that excited while shooting a particular gun. If so, what gun was it, Reed? You know, I started shooting when I was eight. So I kind of liken uh, my love and appreciation for firearms uh, this way. You know, it's kind of like an eight-year-old piano player in a New Orleans uh, whorehouse. Um, by the time you figure out what's going on, nah, it doesn't phase you anymore. So, uh, no, no, I've never, never gotten that direction. Uh, and, uh, I don't know that I could tell you that there is one gun that is, you know, more impressive than another in that way. I guess that's the other thing about that eight year old piano player. Um, he, he understands how broad the field is. So. <laughs> 
Well, there you go, Jody. Um, next up from uh, LCR, I uh, heard your discussion about the changes to the Marine Corps shooting program, and part of the misunderstanding I see is uh, discussed in the Marine Corps Times, a.k.a. the Marine Corps Inquirer, meshed <laughs> together multiple years where the markmanship uh, synopsises and quite oh, a bit of symposiums. Symposiums. <laughs> quite a bit of conjuncture. I am being graded on this. Um, during the M16A4 slash M4 PIP, there was a proposal to field a new upper receiver group with a free float, free float rail uh, without a fixed front sight. Currently, that's on hold because of costs and current initiatives to equip all and re-equip all infantry and infantry-like units with only M4s. Uh, since 2008, all of our new guns did not come with carry handles. Uh, they came with backup iron sights initially made by Matek. In 2010, the Marine Corps started buying KAC 600-millimeter backup sights, and there were problems with it. F- it's fielding because it did not come with any support of doctrine to support the backup iron sights. So many of them walked off over the years. Uh, in 2012, the Marine Corps decided to use only RCO and the entry-level pipeline. This was based on numerous studies and feedback from the field that Marines could not shoot the RCOs all that well, and most did not understand them. This would tie to one, the optical sighted weapon is the primary means of using it. If iron sights, the weapon is in a degraded mode of operation. Two, did you hear that? A degraded mode of operation? You have no comment over there? No, he's absolutely true. You know, <laughs> okay, two. not to use the RCO, uh, they're only using the backup iron sight when the RCO doesn't work. Most Marines learned to shoot in the Marines. Three, all their initial training was on irons. Four, because the rule, the rule of uh, primacy, they understood irons. I just got lost. I'm going to have to edit that. Irons. Five, it takes two to three t- times longer to retain a new item uh, as it does in their initial training. So why spend the two total weeks of training on the degraded mode of operation when most shooters will never get the time required to retain them their primary means of shooting the weapon? What what this really means, it, what really killed the irons at recruit training was after they studied recruits, it's at TBS and demonstrated all that ROC shooters, training shooters could still qualify with backup iron sights. And LCR, I completely butchered that. So <laughs> uh, I hope I was able to get your point across and the information that came through. Next time, read. You are reading anything that has to do with Marine speak and not leaving the civilian <laughs> out there to struggle and drown on the island. Well, you know, I think it was it was it was good watching you drown a little bit. Thanks, appreciate that. I'll send you an AR pistol for Christmas. <laughs> you know, um, I do want to thank LCR for uh, sending this in. You know, we don't always get the best picture out here when we're not, you know, in the fray. And I am glad that our listeners do share their perspectives, their experiences, and their viewpoints because everyone, every one of those viewpoints is valuable. And that experience, once again, goes back to the original core of what we are here to do. We are here to share information because that's the only way that we demystify what we love to do and make it okay. Uh, thank you, LCR. Uh, we appreciate you. Um Absolutely. Why don't you read the nice one? There's, there's, there's no very complex lingo in here. Thank you. 
<laughs> You're going to have to pay for Hooked on Phonics for me after this is all done. I feel like my tongue's twisted. Uh, Ian writes in, hello, men. I wanted to write to tell you all how much I enjoy listening to the podcast the last few months. I wish I would have known about the show sooner, but I'm working hard to catch up on past episodes. I got back into shooting three years ago, and the AR platform quickly became my top priority. Uh, one off-the-shelf purchase and three builds later, I show no signs of slowing. I regret the almost five-year break I took from shooting after the military. I just wanted to tell you guys to keep up the good work, and I appreciate the product that you put out each week. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you for your service, too. Um, I understand you know that break, though, a little bit. Sometimes sometimes that break from shooting happens. The uh, the fact that we have listeners that, that, that send this stuff in, just it, it really makes it nice uh, because it makes it easier to do what we do. And, uh, being supported by the listeners is, uh, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's probably not as common as it ought to be, but it's very common here and it makes us, uh, truly understand, uh, uh, you know, how we're blessed, how we're given an opportunity to get in there and just really create a good community. Uh, and frankly, guys, I'll tell you, that's what motivates us to go out and try to do the things we do for you. I mean, that's why we, uh, are really, you know, busting our humps to get these giveaways in place so that we can say thank you um, because we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. And, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to sit here and have the fun we do if you didn't want to listen to us. So thanks again. We appreciate it. Thank you all. Absolutely. And if you have any questions, comments, show topics, ideas, you want to yell at one of us, uh, you're more than welcome to. Uh, you can shoot us an email it is ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Um, you guys feel the show. I mean, it is great to interact with everybody. And I've, you know, now been here for seven months and learned so much from the feedback and the things that come in. Um, it's just a great way for me to grow also. Two is somebody who's a firearms and an AR-15 enthusiast. So that email again, ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us, uh, I don't know if we have that speak pipe plugged in on the right-hand side of the AR-15 podcast website anymore. I will double-check that here in a little bit. Um, one thing you can do for us, and you guys, um, Reed will agree, they've been phenomenal, is on iTunes the reviews um, you guys have left for the AR-15 podcast, you guys smoke every other gun podcast out there. You guys smoke most podcasts. Uh, we're up over 500 reviews, and you look at the other ones, the big boys that do a bunch of stuff and different things and giveaways and have partnerships, they got like 50 reviews. So uh, once again, you guys driving it. And when you leave us one of those reviews on iTunes, it helps the show place higher in searches uh, for potential listeners that are looking to learn about their favorite black rifle. Uh, share your pictures with us on Instagram at uh, AR15 podcast. I'd love to repost some of your guys' builds, the things you guys are doing with firearms. It'd be great to share that with the community. Uh, tag your pictures with uh, the hashtag AR15podcast. Uh, visit us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash AR15podcast. Uh, check out the other great podcasts on the Firearms Radio Network. And don't forget to use the Brownells link for all your AR15 parts needs. Uh, that is now at Firearms Radio, uh, Firearms 
radio network.tv. It is, uh, the AR 15 podcast link is right there on the front of the page. You just click it there and it'll take you to our Brownells affiliate link. Um, that is at firearmsradio.tv and, uh, make sure you also use the Amazon affiliate link there too. Uh, Reed, as we wrap up episode 164, is there uh, anything you'd like to close out with? I, I would. Uh, Tom G., uh, you know, for the man that contacts us every 45 minutes on a regular basis, how long did it take you to sign up for the uh, giveaway? <laughs> a little disappointed with your attention. So, Tom, <laughs> we want you to straighten up and fly right. Everybody else, have a great week. We'll be back soon. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Hey, since you're already listening to a show on the Firearms Radio Network, then you should check out the God and Guns podcast. Troy and Doug talk about guns from a Christian perspective and, of course, God. GodandGunsPodcast.com slash iTunes. Subscribe now. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at FirearmsRadio.tv.